Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical! Um, So before we get biblical, we gotta give you some ground rules. Um, None of them are actually rules, and I don't know why I called them that. Uh, I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I... uh, taught Sunday school, I was in the worship band, etc., etc. I am now an atheist. And I am the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Bible study podcast. And it's not suitable for children. And um, it has some objectionable content in it sometimes. Uh, I, I think there's some in in this book. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but there's I definitely some think it's going to get real pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, just keep that in mind. I'm reading the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And I'm reading the New International Version, or NIV, of the Bible. Um, And I'm in particular reading a a study Bible copy of it, which has some interesting scholarly notes. Um, So today we're talking about the book of Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. Um, In Hebrew, do you know what it is? Uh, Something like Jeremiah. (laughs) It's... Yermayahu. Yermayahu. Um, and as always, it's attributed to Jeremiah, mm-hmm. but um, was actually compiled by multiple authors over multiple years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a historical Jeremiah wrote any of it, it was the first half, but like I assume that that's completely false. Um, Can't you engage with this stuff in good faith, honey? Um, Is that something that you can do for me and for our listeners? I left good faith behind when I became an atheist. (laughs) So to give you some historical background. Yes, because there's a lot of history and garbage in this book. (laughs) Both. Two great tastes that taste great together. Um, So as we've um, reminded our listeners during the last couple episodes, because it gets hard to keep in your memory. um, After King David and King Solomon, the kingdom of Israel split into two. There's Northern Kingdom, Israel, that got taken over by Assyria eventually, mm-hmm. and so that's known as the Assyrian exile. And then there's the Southern Kingdom, Judah, which is eventually taken over by Babylon, and that's the Babylonian exile. Mm-hmm. And that ends when Persia takes over Babylon and lets the Jews go back to Judah. But the ones that got Assyrian exiled never come back. Right. Um, so this book takes place at the very end of the kingdom of Judah. So Jeremiah is a prophet during the last five kings of the kingdom. Yeah. And those are Josiah, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim with an M, Jehoiakim with an N, and Zedekiah. And of those, only Josiah was a good king. Uh-huh. Um, but we're not even going to spend very much time with him, so I'm not going to go into it. We're going to spend most of our time with Jehoiakim with an M, the third king, and Zedekiah, the last king, who both suck. Mm -hmm. And Zedekiah was actually put on the throne by the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, right? um, as like a sort of puppet. And then he tried to rebel and get rid of Babylon, um, but that didn't work, and Babylon just destroyed Jerusalem and deported all the Jews to Babylon. Yes, that's the Babylonian exile. Well, not um, all of the Jews, as we'll find out later right, in the book. Right. Um, Just the best. <laughs> Just the good so, ones. Uh, so that's where we're going to be spending our time. Um, we'll also have some at the very beginning of the Babylonian exile. And this is all about uh, 600 BC or so. But 
to warn you, this is all presented completely out of order, probably because it was compiled by different people over a long period of time. So it's going to just jump back and forth with no rhyme or reason whatsoever. So we'll do our best to kind of um, protect you, ground you in like when we're flashing forward and flashing back. Look, we're here for you. Okay, we're doing this for your benefit. Okay, (laughs) this hurts us more than it hurts you. That's right. We're trying to keep you from some deeper truths that look, you don't need to know. Okay, like this is confusing. Yeah, we're probably going to complain about that a lot. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) So one other thing that we want to do in this episode, and we're going to because you can't fucking stop us. Wow, that's a little hostile, babe. Is we want to join the Prophecy Club. And by that, I mean, we're going to make up our own prophecies because this book is chock-a-block with them. And so are like the last several books that we read. Yeah, and, I feel uh, like all of my brain is full of prophecies. A and bunch of more coming up. They're falling out of my eyeballs. They're so <laughs> Cool. Mm-hmm. That's where stuff is goes. That what, is that what that was? No, that was me crying. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those weren't prophecies. Oh, okay. Those were salty tears. Oh. Crocodile tears. Anyway, <laughs> the thing I wanted to say was, we're going to play a game. The game is called Thus Saith the Lord. We just made it up. Anytime one of us says, Thus Saith the Lord, we have to make up a prophecy. On word, the spot. On the spot, word by word. That is to say, alternating words. For example, Thus Saith the Lord. When Israel is watching, I will jump up to the heavens. Amen. Amen. That's how it goes. When Israel is watching, I will jump up to the heavens. Excellent prophecy. It's, I'm sure we'll do better over the course of this episode. Anyway. We'll probably only get gradually worse, but <laughs> um, let's. Selling out the show as always. <laughs> is what i like i have only bad faith um let's let's get started on jeremiah let's do it good old yermiyahu so the book starts jeremiah was a bullfrog <laughs> um was a good friend of mine of the lord's <laughs> uh okay no start start we're starting with how jeremiah became a prophet which in classic prophet fashion is god came down and talk to little Jay. We're going to call him Jay because I don't have time to say Jeremiah 6,000 times today. I'm not going to call him Jay. Okay. Well, you know, I'll see you in, in fucking hell then. <laughs> in fucking hell? Yes. <laughs> Is that, you're going to be there earlier than me because you're going to waste all your time saying Jeremiah so many millions of times. Okay. God's Think of gonna, all, of, all, all I will accomplish. God's going to strike you down for shortening his prophet's name. I find it unlikely. Anyway, God comes down and visits young Jeremiah. And uh, tells him, "You're going to be a prophet. Be prophet. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> There's no, no elaborate selection process. Yeah. There's no story about yeah. how he was picked before birth or anything. He was yeah. just he's just a young guy that talks to God. And um, you know, like Moses, he doesn't think he can do it. Mm-hmm. He says, "I do not know how to speak. I am only a child." God's like, "Okay, you're not a baby. You're not Fred Armisen." In your Broad City cameo, you're not a fucking millennial. Like, stop using an app to do your laundry and grow up and uh, start spreading the fucking word of the Lord. (laughs) And so he does. This is odd. (laughs) Yeah, God basically says, hey, the North is coming. You know, like, 
stuff's going to be messed up in Israel and I need somebody to totally bum everybody out for the next 70 years. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pick you. Yeah. And Jeremiah's like, do I really have to? And God says yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the end of that conversation. Yeah. Um, so then we get, you know, a lot of the same sort of poetry that we had in Isaiah. Very similar. Um, about how, like, God has been nothing but the best guy in the world to the Israelites and they keep worshiping idols, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there's, they really, it's, it's a pretty sassy prophecy starting off the book. I would give it six out of nine sasses. I, um, <laughs> I, we can't really, like, we don't really have time to get into the good lines, but I did just want to highlight um, that this the poetry here is a lot more like sexually themed oh, than my, yes. the ones yeah. we've seen before. So, uh, for example, you are a swift she camel running here and there, a wild donkey sniffing the wind in her craving. In her heat, who can restrain her? Any males that pursue her need not tire themselves. At mating time, they will find her. So <laughs> it the it also talks about the Lord accusing Israel of being a like just a lustful woman. Yeah. Somebody who can't restrain themselves. Yeah. That, that when they ran out of men to fuck, they literally fucked stones and trees. Yeah. And it's like, you've spent so long fucking stones and trees you don't even know what God looks so, like anymore. <laughs> like I this is clearly like rather a misogynistic and shall we say slut shaming passage. But I like that we're finally acknowledging the sheer pleasure that Israelites get out of worshiping <laughs> idols. Like That's true. They are, they're That's horny true. for bail, you know? They are horny like, for it. Like, put it on a bumper sticker. Honk if you're horny for bail. Mm -hmm. Put it on a t-shirt. Sluts for Asherah. <laughs> I, I work the pole for Asherah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, then we get this interesting ultimatum mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. If you... It says, if you really change your ways and your actions, then I will let you live in this land I gave your forefathers forever and ever. And it names four specific actions that the Israelites can take to avert destruction. Yes. And they are, deal with each other justly. Mm -hmm. Do not oppress the alien, the fatherless, or the widow. Correct. Do not shed innocent blood and do not follow other gods. So... I think that the thing the Bible is most confused about uh -huh. is whether you should be nice or mean to foreigners. That is one of the more confusing things. Like this book overall is very xenophobic mm -hmm. and we're like, I mean, obviously we've had a lot of xenophobia in past books, especially in like um, Ezra and Nehemiah. For sure. Um, but like this book itself is overall, I mean, it's going to talk about how Moab is going to be destroyed and Ammon is going to be destroyed and Damascus is going to be destroyed and every foreign thing is going to be destroyed. Um, but at the same time, don't oppress the foreigner is on the same level as do not follow other gods. Yeah. And also he and he, by he, I mean, God has very uh, specific instructions about what to do once the Jews reach Babylon, about how to comport themselves there. Like they're supposed to stay in their communities and everything, but they're also supposed to pray for their city. It's like, this is your city now. Like, you are in exile, and the fortunes of the city are your fortunes. Yeah. So, like, these are your people now, even if you have to remember that you're a Jew, but, like, it's th it's your city, you know, and it's their city, too. And I thought that was very, like, cosmopolitan. <laughs> um, Thus saith the Lord, uh, when you are wandering in the desert, remember to... Love 
Babylon. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> when you are wandering in the desert, remember to love Babylon. Um. Then we get to this weird little, like not a parable, but like a. It's a metaphor. It's an oracle. Is what they is what my Bible calls oh, it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mine doesn't. Um, it's a weird little lesson. So, God has Jeremiah buy a linen belt. In mine, it's a loincloth. Oh, a loincloth. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which I feel like is probably more accurate. Well, it certainly has like a, a little more charge to it. <laughs> it's supposed to have charge, though. Yeah. Um, mine just has a linen belt. Explain it. Uh, explain the linen belt. No, explain the f- fucking oracle. Oh, uh, okay. So I know what a goddamn linen belt I is. I didn't know if you knew what a linen belt was. I've never seen one. Dude, I have 10 linen belts in my closet. You have 10 linen belts? <laughs> you never told me you had a collection of linen belts. One for every day of the week. All 10. And four for Sunday. All right. Uh, okay, so buy a linen belt slash loincloth and <laughs> put it on. And don't let it touch water. Like, don't let it get dirty. Yeah. Then... Go bury it in some rocks by a river mm-hmm. and then go back for it after several days and you'll see that it's all dirty and ruined. That you just ruined your brand new loincloth. Yeah. yeah. And then God says, like, that's what I'm going to do to Judah. <laughs> I was like, that wasn't like, I feel like there could have been more of like a big reveal or maybe like just a better build up, like instead of just hiding a piece of cloth in the dirt for several days. It's very obvious that if you put your brand new loincloth in the river and then leave it for several days, it will be unusable. Like, that's pretty straightforward. Um, So what God is trying to say is that, like, Judah was as close to him as a a loincloth to his loins. Oh. It's like, I've let you touch my balls. And my circumcised peen. Mm -hmm. Because you know God's all about the circumcision. Yes. It was resting on his goose. Yeah. And (laughs) that naked little goose. I mean, it was probably pretty big. I don't know. It's metaphysical. It has no dimensions. That's right. Uh, Its dimensions are unimaginable to man. That's right. Could God himself make a goose so large (laughs) even he could not gander it? (laughs) Thus saith the Lord. (laughs) A goose... In Jerusalem, will gander at nothing. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, so then, so after that, like, super gotcha moment of uh-huh. like, <laughs> guess Surprise. what? It's dirty now. <laughs> it's trash. <laughs> it's trash. Um, <laughs> Jeremiah is told to say to the Israelites. Every wineskin should be filled with wine. Mm-hmm. And if they respond, don't we know that every wineskin should be filled with wine? Mm-hmm. Then he's supposed to tell them that God will fill with drunkenness all who live in this land and smash them one against the other. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like good night at the club. <laughs> getting drunk and getting smashed. Smashing, smashing one against the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was not a promise of just another raging Saturday night. Oh. It was God is done with this. And one of the things he's going to inflict upon Israel is a curse of drunkenness that, you know, like you're all going to feel like you're drunk, even if you're not. Yeah. And you're going to vomit everywhere and stuff. But that, no, it says yeah, no, that. No, it doesn't say that. 
this book definitely like takes it only associates drunkenness with like vomiting. It does not associate it with any pleasure. No, it also associates it with fighting here. That's what it's saying. And then that too, you know, like if you look at Song of Songs, it was like, oh, your love is sweeter than wine. Mm -hmm. But here it's like wine equals it's just vomit. It's Mm -hmm. just early vomit. (laughs) And we get there's a teetotaling family that's brought up later that's held in the highest. Yes. Holy regard. Yes. We'll get to them. Um, We get some personal details about Jeremiah. So this is where Jeremiah, as I said in my notes, he grows a character Mm -hmm. because he's been sort of characterless so far. Mm -hmm. Besides a very brief moment at the beginning where he's like, I don't think I'm the right guy. Yeah. And that's like not even. That's not even really character because. No, I feel like it's actually just like a rhetorical device that mm -hmm. they have to put for every prophet Mm -hmm. that like. You know a true prophet when they think that they can't do it. They're reluctant. They don't. They're so humble that they don't think that they could be the right person, et cetera, et cetera. But Jeremiah is kind of different in that he actually has to make sacrifices in order to prophecy for the Lord. Yes. Not like. Sacrifices where you burn oil and bread and lambs or whatever, but like sacrifices in his personal life. Yeah. So he, I mean, this, it starts by saying that like he never goes to parties. (laughs) And why are you laughing? That's what it's That's funny. It's funny when you say it like that. (laughs) He never goes to parties and he just, uh, he quote, sits alone. He's double majoring. He doesn't have time to party. (laughs) He sits alone filled with indignation. Uh Uh-huh. Sounds like a real fun guy. Yeah, just it's in the long tradition of real fun dudes. Yeah. And like God tells him he shouldn't marry or have kids mm-hmm. because the wife and kids will be wicked. He shouldn't attend funerals because the dead people are wicked and deserve to die. He shouldn't attend festivals or anything because having fun is wicked. Mm-hmm. Um, when he prophecies all this doom and gloom to everybody, his family turns away from him. And his family is like, how can you say all these evil things about the future? Like, this is can't be true. Yeah. Everybody else is prophesying good things, and you're the only one that's prophesying bad things. So his family hates him. Well, we find out there is one other guy. There is one other guy. But, but he got killed. <laughs> yeah. But, like, everybody turns away from him when he starts to give bad prophecies. Yeah. So all he can do, basically, is just sit alone and uh, read scripture. Mm-hmm. And like work himself up into a froth about how God hates everyone else yeah. around him. About what kind of nasty slut Israel is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which is not that far from the language that's in the book. By no, the way. like it. it's like, I mean, we talked about the people of Israel are discussed as like so blasphemous that they like fuck rocks and trees. Yeah. You know, it's like. It's even it's in a spiritual very, sense. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, and it says like, oh, like she lifts up her dress and shows everyone her like private areas yeah, or that whatever. Part's, that part's uncomfortable. So it's like, I mean, it is very sexualized. That's not you're not at all like projecting that onto it. Um. So anyway, while he's wallowing in the dirt, um, he is offered the opportunity to make another oracle. This one about pottery. Yes. So this this chapter Yours doesn't have chapter titles, is that correct? That's correct. So my my Bible has chapter titles, and this one is titled At the Potter's House. <laughs> this is where Jeremiah goes to visit Harry Potter mm-hmm. in his little closet under the stairs on Privet Drive. Yeah. Uh Muggles. Um Owls. Nico doesn't know anything about Harry Potter. Uh thirteen and a half or something. 
Uh, what do you mean platform nine and three quarters? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See? I, got I all, actually might have that wrong. I got all the important details. Okay. Uh, so God tells Jeremiah to go get a clay jar from the potter. Mm-hmm. Not sure why a wizard would have that, but okay, I'll just go along. Uh, gather all the elders and priests together. This is going to be a long Harry Potter bit. No. Okay. <laughs> I uh, can make it one. <laughs> well, I would prefer you commit to the bit rather than back out of it right away. Uh, yeah, so Jeremiah's a bullfrog. <laughs> no, not that one. I don't like that Harry bit. Harry Potter <laughs> takes him as his pet to Hogwarts. Okay. But it turns out that the bullfrog is actually Peter Pettigrew, uh, and he's just uh, drunk a polyjuice potion. Thus saith the Lord. Fuck off. <laughs> Is that what you were going to make the Lord say to me? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, no, he's supposed to get this pot from the potter. Yes. A clay pot. And then he's supposed to gather everyone together and then be like, this is what God is going to do to Judah and just smash it on the ground. Mm-hmm. Again, I feel like, like the linen belt, this is like not really as dramatic an example as it could be. Like... If you go back to like Moses, you've uh-huh. got like, you know, Aaron's staff turns into a snake and like eats the Egyptian snakes, you know, and then you've got like, I mean, you have obviously like the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. They're all very dramatic. Mm-hmm. And then here it's just like, I broke a jar. That's what God's going to do to you. Well, there's another part of that prophecy. Did you, did you get that? I mean, the fact is a potter can take a ruined pot and break it down and make a new pot out of it. Oh. That's what God was trying to illustrate, was that your pot will be broken, but God, like the potter, can make a new pot from a ruined pot. Oh, I didn't get that, actually. So it's supposed to be, it's like a double prophecy. It's first of all about what's going to happen to you, but also about the fact that God cares for you. God is God is the potter that will rebuild you after breaking you. That's that's better. Uh, how to cover this up. Uh, let's say the Lord, when... You jump up to heaven. Try not to fall. That one was surprisingly cromulent. Yeah, amen. amen. Um, actually, I want to I want to pause briefly here. Okay. To thank our listener Aaron. Um, his Twitter handle is Anime Waifu IRL. <laughs> of course, it is. <laughs> Um, I obviously didn't make that up, <laughs> um, but he, he recommended a book to me, um, on Twitter called how to read the Bible, uh, by this guy, James L. Kugel, who is a professor of biblical studies in Hebrew. Um, and he's Orthodox Jewish and he wrote this big long book. I mean, he's written a lot of books, but this one particularly breaks down the old Testament book by book. Um, and something Kugel points out in this book is that if you go around saying that God's going to kill everyone in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. like during a moment of religious and political upheaval, mm-hmm. um, that's, I mean, in his words, he says, it's considered to be an actual offense against the city and its inhabitants. Mm. So, um, like, I hadn't really thought of it that way because I'm so used to thinking of these prophets as like, like from the point of view of obviously the prophet is right. Right. And everyone else is just deluded. Sure. But like, if you were actually living in that time, I mean, why wouldn't you think that he was like 
being traitorous because he's saying like, yeah, Babylon's better than us. And yeah, they're, they're favored by us. the Lord. They're yeah. going to come down and mess up our whole country. And God yeah. is like, God is using Nebuchadnezzar and not you. And you would totally understand why anybody in charge wouldn't want people out there on the streets giving prophecies of doom. Because if you're in charge right now, what you want the prophets to be saying is that things are going to be good because you're in charge. Yeah. So like well, naturally, yeah. your natural instinct would be to quash anybody who was giving bad prophecies. But I could see how it would be an offense against like the city too. I mean, it's just like we don't need that kind of negative energy. Yeah. Right? I mean. This is supposed to be our year of positivity. <laughs> this is supposed to be the year of Luigi. <laughs> um, that reference will never get old. <laughs> Here we are, I think, three or four years out from the okay, actual year of Luigi. We're like Luigi. one year out from the year of Luigi, babe. And you know what? In God's eyes, every year is the year of Luigi. Um, he is kind of a martyr. I mean. <laughs> Luigi? Mm-hmm. Why? We'll talk about it later. Oh, you're talking about that. Once we get to the New Testament, I'll lay that, my Luigi theory on that you. That game where he gets nailed up on a cross? <laughs> yes. Uh, Mario Kart, right? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> okay. right. Um, so anyway, back to Jeremiah, uh, he's doing this stuff, telling everybody that they're going to get destroyed. Uh, and so there's a priest named Poshhor mm-hmm. who has him beat up and put in the stocks. And, uh, Jeremiah does get a sick burn in by telling Poshhor that his new name is Magor Misabib, which means terror on all sides. Mm-hmm. Good one. Yep. Um, it probably works better in Hebrew. <laughs> um, but but afterward, he does seem very upset. Jeremiah does. He's really wallowing in it. <laughs> it's not a very charitable uh, interpretation of his actions. That's, uh, yeah, true. He would rather die than keep giving prophecies. Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah. He says, Oh, Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. The word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. And he concludes that he's going to stick with God because, like, that's what you do. Yeah. But that's probably the good choice. If God has been talking to you since you were a little kid, yeah. But he curses the day that he was born. Yep. He said, I would rather have stayed in my mother's womb or I'd rather my father cut me out of my mother's womb that way. My mother's womb wouldn't be cursed by the fact that she had like yeah. a prophet child who said only bad things about Israel. And I feel really bad for him because I see in him a certain type of religious young person, mm-hmm. a type of person that I used to be to some extent, mm-hmm. not a, well, certainly not to this extent, Um, but like who thinks the world is sinful and like fun is bad and they want everyone around them to stop having fun. And then they're sad that they have no friends, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like a horrible way to have to go through life thinking that all fun things are sin Mm -hmm. and being so concerned about everyone else's sin, you know? Mm -hmm. And, Given that there isn't actually a God and that, like, pleasure isn't actually sin, it's just, like, it's such a waste of a life. If you think about an actual historical Jeremiah, if these were actually his feelings, like, it's just, it's just sad. It's a sad way to go through a life. It is sad, too. Yeah, I mean, if this historical Jeremiah were being 
used as a prophet by God, that's the tool that God needed at this time, was just like a sad man. A sad, bitter, angry man. Who could devote his entire life to telling everybody how wrong they are and that they're going to die for it. Should we take a break? Mm, Let's do it. Okay. We're going to take a break. You're going to hear a little music. We're going to do a funky dance to the music. People ask, do you dance during the musical breaks? No one has ever asked that. And of course, the answer is yes. We dance thoroughly and vigorously. We don't do that. Um, All our moves are 100% original and we hate biters. Um, And our beat is correct. The beat is technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. And we will see you in about a minute. (laughs) All right, great. Okay, bye. Bye. Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we're talking about the book of Jeremiah. We're on our own Jeremiah here. Oh, yeah. Mallory Ortberg, our guest a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. uh, expressed uh, regret that Dismay? she wasn't on the Jeremiah episode and couldn't uh, talk about the origin of the word Jeremiah. I didn't look up the origin of the word Jeremiah, but uh, it basically means like angrily ranting, mm-hmm. which is uh, what... Jeremiah spends most of this book doing. Yeah, so absolutely. There you have it. Yep. And he we... angry. What? What did you say? He angry. <laughs> he angry. <laughs> we are now going to commence the part of the book where the timeline is. How do you say all fucked up? Mm-hmm. So it's just basically going to jump forward and back and forward and back and forward and back. Yeah. So right now we're going to flash forward to when Zedekiah. Is king. If you remember, Judah. if you remember, Zedekiah is like the last king of the Judah. Last king. He was like kind of a puppet for King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Um, tries to rebel and gets completely crushed. Yes. Uh, and then Babylon destroys Jerusalem and takes over Judah and deports all the Jews. Something that's interesting is, even though Jeremiah is in constant trouble with the law uh-huh. for his. Um, for his nasty prophecies. His putrid prophecies. <laughs> he, uh, Zedekiah, like, knows that, yeah, that he he's has a connection to God. Yeah. And so he kind of keeps, he'll ask him a couple things over the course of the book. So he, right here, asks Jeremiah to, like, pray to God to save them yeah. from the attacking Babylonians. Basically says, hey, I know you're always talking about how the Babylonians are going to, like, kill everybody and then like capture everybody and that looks like what's going to happen but could you like pray to god could you like put in a word for us and jeremiah's like yeah i'd love to not <laughs> actually god wants you and the city to be destroyed yeah 
Um, he actually does kind of do a little not thing too. It's not just me with my yeah. classic, hilarious, you know, off the wall <laughs> kind of like, oh my God, this guy's crazy, oh right? Oh my God, I baby, can't you're believe so he said random. That. <laughs> I know, right? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he... He gets a little sassy. He does get a little sassy and he also disses like all the kings, um, the last like four kings, the yeah. ones after Josiah mm-hmm. who was the last good king. Uh, then we have another vision where God gives him a vision of two baskets of figs. Oh, we doing fig time. <laughs> and um, one of the baskets has good tasty figs. <laughs> and the other has... Nasty figs. <laughs> rotten, inedible figs. Disgusting figs. And uh, he says the exiles are the good figs and he'll like the Jewish exiles to Babylon are the Uh good figs and he'll bring them back to Jerusalem one day. But King Zedekiah is a bad fig and will be destroyed (laughs) (laughs) like you do to bad figs. You crush them and burn them and really show them what's what. Because they had the temerity to go bad. Yeah. Anyway. Could you tell that this is like written by post-exilic people? Right. <laughs> like people that came back from exile in Babylon. Like just they're just shoehorning in this thing that's like, oh, by the way, God always knew that like the people that he sent away right. to Babylon were his chosen ones that he was going to bring back, even though there are a whole bunch of Jews left here and we're not really going to talk about them that much. Like, <laughs> Also, again, like I'm not sure this required a metaphor. Like the metaphor is <laughs> a little anticlimactic. It's like, OK, so imagine there's two bowls of figs. One is good and one is bad. It's like, okay, well, I like the good figs. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, yeah, okay. uh, the good figs are good. Yeah. The bad ones are bad. Yeah. These okay. Are good. You're the good figs. Yeah, I got that. The other ones are bad yeah. figs. Fig one, fig two. Nasty figs. <laughs> Nasty fig boys. <laughs> now we're going to real quick flashback in time to Jehoiakim. Um, he is the third king in our timeline and he also sucks. And... um. During Jehoiakim's reign, Jeremiah prophecies that the Jews will be exiled to Babylon for 70 years. Mm-hmm. And in reality, it's 66 years. So he was very close. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what... <laughs> close is good enough in prophecy, I guess. I mean, that's honestly like much closer than you'd expect. It's also kind of more believable when the prophecy is close rather than dead on. But um, this is actually what uh, James L. Kugel of the, uh, the book that I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, he calls this a... 2020 hindsight prophecy Mm. which is a phrase i love and uh which applies so well to isaiah and uh also to jeremiah and i imagine it will keep applying to the many many prophets that we're going to encounter before we finish the old testament only god knows um thus saith the lord (laughs) uh every man in uh jerusalem has a tendency to die. <laughs> Amen. Every man in Jerusalem has a tendency to die. I mean, they do. As true today as it was <laughs> when it was written. So back in the past, Jeremiah gives a prophecy that like bad stuff is coming. Babylon and Chaldea are coming. Um, and people start demanding that he be put to death. Yep. And it says that another prophet named Uriah was already put to death for saying similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, but some elders step in on his behalf, Jeremiah's behalf, 
And they say that like the prophet Micah said similar things to King Hezekiah in Mm -hmm. the past and Hezekiah listened, which saved the country from Assyria when Assyria destroyed the northern kingdom. Right. The southern kingdom was fine because Hezekiah listened. Um, So they say that Jeremiah isn't the problem. So he's safe for now. Also, he has this like buddy who's a court official named uh, Ahikam. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he's able to, like, give him some political protection. Uh, anyway, flash forward for no reason to Zedekiah, the last king. Mm-hmm. He's got this prophet in his pocket by the name of Hananiah, who prophesies some good news for Zedekiah. And this doesn't go down well with the Lord and with yeah. Jeremiah by proxy. It's interesting because Hananiah says the Babylonian exile will happen, but it'll just last two years. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a half-assed prophecy. Yeah, yeah. And, like... Jeremiah says, like, oh, I if I wish that were true. But God has told me that it will be 70 years. Um, and he says, the prophet who prophecies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his prediction comes true. Right. And then he also says that God told him that Hanani is a stupid liar and he's going <laughs> to die. And then in two months, he does die. But, okay, this is setting up a definition of prophethood where you prove that God is speaking to you by being correct about the future. Right. Like, which gives you a lot of incentive to write those 2020 hindsight prophecies after Mm -hmm. the fact. Like, if you're defining accurate prophecies as proof of communication with God, Uh like, if those are the terms you set, Uh then you can't fucking cheat. Right? Like... If you're like, oh, God moves in mysterious ways, like, I'm always working on my relationship with him, like, sometimes I understand what he wants, Mm -hmm. sometimes I don't, that's one thing, like, it can be used in, in weaselly ways, but it doesn't have to be, but if you're like, here's a very concrete, verifiable test, I'm gonna say 70 years, if that comes true, then that means that God is on my side, and then you just write, oh, I predicted that after it happens, then, like, you're just a charlatan, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, like, I don't think it's... It bothers me. You don't think it's fair? I don't think it's fair. It it bothers me to, like, explicitly set up the terms and then, like, immediately cheat on them. <laughs> you know? Yes. I do understand. But this is Bibble, baby. There are no rules in Bibble. There's actually, like, so many rules in Bibble. I haven't noticed any yet. <laughs> oh, my God. The whole thing has been rules. It's just rules. It's rules all the way down. So after that talk about Zedekiah, uh-huh. the God starts to lay out the plus side. This is where he really makes the sale. This is where he starts to say, here's how things are going to be get, get better. Here's why I'm I'm doing this. Okay. He says, I'm bringing you down so that I can build you back up. Uh-huh. Like, hey, everybody, I know things are really going to suck when the Babylonians come and like destroy the city and kill pretty much all of you. But in the future, I'm going to beat the Babylonians up. And also, I'm going to beat up all of your old enemies. Not now, because I need them to beat you up first. But later. Because y'all are so sinful. Yes, but later. And really, just trust me, things are going to work out just fine. That's what That's what God says. Again, you shall take your tambourines and go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Uh, another guy tries to get him thrown in the stocks. Um, this is Shemaiah, 
Mm-hmm. And God curses Jemiah and his descendants for it, which, like, I thought we were past since the father thing, but it's cool. Uh, and well, this whole thing is basically an extended sense of the father thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. If, yeah. I mean, like God offers them sort of a chance to like get out of it at the last minute if they just listen to him for a second and they refuse to, but it's all pretty much a sense of the father thing. So I feel like Jeremiah is being described as basically like a stereotype of a bitter nerd, like, like not a realistic, like so stereotypical. It's not realistic, mm-hmm. you know? And like, it's like he only has one friend who we haven't gotten to yet, Baruch. Um, he doesn't go to parties, just stays home and reads scripture and thinks everyone is sluts. And in this scene, like Shemaiah tries to be mean to him and then God like curses him, right? Yeah. So it's like, it would be so satisfying for Jeremiah to just have God like just snuff out all his personal enemies, you know? Um, Which is basically everyone in Israel. It's like the ultimate revenge of the nerds, right? Oh. But like, I really hope that's not how God actually works. <laughs> you know, like, revenge of the nerd style? Yeah, well, like he just finds this like antisocial misogynist shut in and just uses the full force of his cosmic powers to kill everyone that this dude gets in a fight with on Reddit, you yeah. know? Uh, let's see, then we reach... Uh, a chapter that is titled in my Bible, Jeremiah Buys a Field. <laughs> Jeremiah Buys a Field. Sounds like a sitcom episode. Mm-hmm. The one where Jeremiah buys yeah, a field. Yeah, like the gang buys a field. Yeah. Um, so the scene is uh, Zedekiah is king. Uh-huh. Last king. I've heard this one before. Babylon is attacking Jerusalem. And Zedekiah has Jeremiah like locked up in the palace jail or whatever. Yes. And... As you can see, the timeline is like all over the place. But um, and he asks him, like, why you keep making these prophecies that we're going to lose? Like he's asking now how prophecies work. I know. Why? are we? He's been telling you prophecies for fucking days, I man. Know. I know. And Jeremiah's response is like. The Lord talks to me. The, well, and I have to say that. I mean, that's how prophecies work. It's not even though he's like, well, you know, the other day God told me that. My cousin was going to come sell me a field. (laughs) And then my cousin came and sold me a field. And now God's going to destroy Jerusalem, but I'm going to have this sweet ass field to come back to when the exile's over. That's that's that was part of the the point is that just to be clear, it gets better. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Like I'm buying the field because I believe I'm confident that God will bring the Jews back here after this is all over. I see. Which is like slim comfort for Zedekiah. Yeah, no, it's no comfort for Zedekiah because he's a bad fig. <laughs> it's the, the baddest fig. He's going to get incinerated. Nasty fig boy. <laughs> um, and, okay, so at, at some point in here, Zedekiah freed all the Jewish slaves. He did. Which the book of Deuteronomy says you have to do every seven years. Mm-hmm. But, like, I guess you can still have, like, foreigners as slaves. Um, but then... The people in Jerusalem went back on it and re-enslaved the slaves. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They got their chance to like actually redeem themselves. I see. And they they turned away from it. Anyway, we're gonna flash back to Jehoiakim. Yeah, finally we get back to the other guy. The third king in the sequence. And uh God has Jeremiah invite some Rechabites to the temple. These oh, are Do you mean Jonadab? Uh, these are the descendants of Jonadab. Yeah. 
And so, so God has them invite them to the temple and offer them some wine. And they refuse because their forefather, Jonadab, said they can't drink wine and they can't build houses and they have to be nomads. Yeah. God gave them specific instructions about that. And God is like, how come these guys can obey their forefathers and y'all are up on the Asherah pole every night? Probably because they don't drink, honestly. <laughs> you know what? That's a good point. I say as I sip some more wine. <laughs> At one point during Jehoiakim's reign, Jeremiah has a message to deliver from God, mm-hmm. but he's not allowed at the temple anymore because they're sick of a crazy guy yelling about the apocalypse all the time, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I sympathize with. Yeah, there's always one of those at the uh, 24th Mission Bart Station, and it gets annoying. Uh, so Jeremiah dictates his message to his Scribe slash sidekick Baruch. Right. This is his only friend. Yep. Jeremiah and Baruch, Jerry and Barry. (laughs) And Baruch goes and reads the message out loud at the temple. The elders hear it and they tell him to go hide, go get Jeremiah and hide. They bring the message to King Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim has a guy read it to him because I guess he can't read. And... As soon as the guy finishes a few columns of text, Jehoiakim cuts off the part that's been read with a scribe's knife Mm -hmm. and throws it in the fire. That's a dramatic symbol. That is a dramatic symbol. You're right. That's better than baskets of figs. That is better than baskets of figs. Well, I like those nasty figs. (laughs) I hate those nasty fig boys. Thus saith the Lord. I hate those nasty fig boys. Amen. Amen. Are you sure fig boys isn't one word? <laughs> Is what? Isn't one word? Fig boy? Fig boy. <laughs> it sounds like a ethnic slur, kind of. It really doesn't sound like something we should be talking about. Um, so let's move on. Uh, let's flash forward again. Um, Zedekiah. Yes. Last king. King Z. Babylon is attacking Jerusalem. And uh, Jeremiah is saying that God's going to give the city to the Babylonians. Mm-hmm. Uh, Je- uh, Zedekiah and his dudes accuse Jeremiah of trying to desert to the Babylonians. Mm-hmm. Um, they throw him in jail. Then they throw him in a water cistern and leave him for dead. But he gets pulled out, That's et cetera, very. Et cetera. That's very bullying the nerd kind of stuff. They, they toss him in the well. Yeah, yeah. it's like an ancient swirly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and, you know, he like he says, if you just submit to the Babylonians, things will go better. But of course they don't. And so then Babylon burns down everything, burns down Solomon's temple, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they don't hurt Jeremiah by King Nebuchadnezzar's order, mm-hmm. which like, you got to admit, it seems a little suspicious. Like it does seem <laughs> like he's a, a traitor, right? I mean, true. Or that Nebuchadnezzar is working as an agent of the Lord. Yeah. One or the other. Let's fucking Occam's razor this shit. Um. So, yeah, they take over Jerusalem and deport everyone, although it does say they leave some poor people, like, in the countryside. Mm-hmm. And actually, that, I've read, is what archaeological records show, hmm. that, like, everyone was deported from Jerusalem and from city centers, but, like, in the countryside, people stayed. Hmm. Um, but they let Jeremiah stay in um, in Mitzpah, which is a city. Okay, Mitzpah. Yeah, okay, in, in Bar Mitzpah. <laughs> Which is a city just north of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've set up this guy, Gedaliah. 
as to, the like governor. Yeah, to be like a bureaucrat. And he's somebody's cousin or something like that? Yeah, he's Ahikam's um, son. Okay. And Ahikam was the court official who protected sure. Jeremiah before. Yeah. I'm going to say it all makes perfect sense. So, so this guy is like, you know, he's a Jew and he's going to be like a bureaucrat and yeah. he's favorable to Jeremiah. Um, but then this other guy, Ishmael... Basically, some expat Jews who had already fled Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. like, come back to Mitzpah. And one of them was living in Ammon, or Ammon. Okay. And he is now loyal to the Ammonites. And so he kills Gedaliah. Mm -hmm. He kills, like, all the other expat Jews that he can and throws their dead bodies in the cistern. In the special well. Poisons the water supply. And um, so then this guy. It's like we spent so long in this book not throwing corpses into wells. I know. And now suddenly and we're throwing corpses into wells left and right. I know. What is this? And then this other guy, Yohanan, kind of mounts. Yo. Hanan. <laughs> mounts a resistance. And they get rid of Ishmael. He flees back to Ammon. All of this political stuff is very half-baked here at the end of this yeah, book. Yeah, and it's all like. The timeline is very confusing, etc. So Jeremiah is like, thanks for killing Ishmael. Yeah. Um, now you got to go chill in Babylon for 70 years. Mm-hmm. Don't go to Egypt. Yeah, he's like, hey, guys, I just got word from God. Everybody that's left over here in Judah, you're all cool. Yeah. All you have to just do go is to one Babylon. thing. Just don't go to Egypt. Because, like, God is done with Egypt. Like, God is done with Egypt. We did that back in Moses' day. We tried it out. It didn't work. It's done. Yeah. Um. And of course, they go to Egypt anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and guess, just take a wild guess, what their wives start doing in Egypt. Um, I, I don't know, bacon, tasty bread, worshiping idols. Oh no! <laughs> and the wives are worshiping the Queen of Heaven, mm-hmm. which my Bible's notes says that means Ishtar. Why would they be worshiping Ishtar in Egypt? I don't know. Like, she's a Babylonian goddess, so yeah. I don't get why, like, going to Babylon would be better than going to Egypt if they're going to worship a Babylonian goddess. But they actually say we were worshiping her in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and everything was going great until we weren't allowed to worship her anymore, and then all this fighting and exile shit started. And I just really like this passage is, like, the best support I've found yet for my pet theory that monotheism is a plot to consolidate patriarchal power. (laughs) Because here you have specifically women wanting to worship a female deity. Mm -hmm. And in polytheism, there's always female deities. And in monotheism, it's always a male deity. And of course, Jeremiah slash God slash the Bible's view on this is you're evil and you'll be destroyed. Yep. He'll throw you out faster than a menstrual rag. (laughs) And then uh, then we're going to we're going to wrap up the book of Jeremiah with some. Well, it's like kind of like the it's kind of like the biblical version of that scene in Half Baked where the guy quits his job at like Burger King and mm-hmm. he's like, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, fuck you. And so this one's like big poems that say fuck you to like Egypt and Moab and everybody, but. There is a poem that says Baruch is cool. Yes. This is basically like, so when God promised earlier that even though the Babylonians are going to take over your country and export a bunch of you, 
don't worry because God is going to get his revenge for you, Mm -hmm. even though he caused the Babylonians to come and beat you up. So anyway, this is his grand tour of all of the neighboring nations and how they're going to get it. And this is all exactly the same as the stuff that was in Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it says that that's the end of Jeremiah's words. Uh, but then it like throws in a random extra chapter that's like copied and pasted from Second Kings. <laughs> um, that's like, here's what happened during the reign of Zedekiah. And then it's over. Yeah. I like that ending point because it's like they just grab a little piece of, of, of sort of more straightforward history. And they throw it in there like, see, it all fits in. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It also says it gives the number of Jews that were exiled Mm -hmm. as 4,600. That's not very many. Which doesn't seem like that many. not that many. Like, if you go back to like the very early Old Testament books, it's like. There were like a million Jews. Yeah. It was like, oh, a million people escaped from Egypt. And now it's like, they exiled (laughs) 4,600 people over a period of like five years. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, baby. I don't know. Numbers and the Bible seem like a yeah. That seems like a fraught relationship. That's true. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to hold the Bible to numerical accuracy. Mm-hmm. Numerological accuracy is what we should hold yeah, it to. That's true. Anyway, that's the book of Jeremiah. We did it. So, how would you rate this book? I would give this book thirteen out of eighteen nasty fig boys. Uh-huh. And why is that? So a couple of reasons. First of all, I think the poetry is really good. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, like all of this, uh, the curses against the other nations and the descriptions about how Israel are going to fall are very well written and very interesting. And the language is really high quality. I'm just going to give you a, my favorite. Please. The sin of Judah is written with an iron pen. With a diamond point, it is engraved on the tablet of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. Wow. That's good. That's good. I really like that. Yeah. Um, This book, as opposed to the last one, has a character at its center that I'm kind of like, it's not just just a crotchety old asshole. This one is like a reluctant crotchety old asshole. Yeah, he's a crotchety old asshole with some pathos. Yeah. Like he was picked by God when he was young to basically foretell the destruction of the country, which he had nothing to do with. You know, I don't know. I find find his plight mildly interesting. Mm -hmm. The timeline's kind of fucked up makes it harder to read um and the whole idea that that god is taking away just so that he can giveth again mm-hmm. is sort of inconsistently deployed in the book hmm. you know what i'm saying like sometimes it's like okay yeah you guys fucked up this is the end that's it for you but then other times it's like well i'm just you know yeah i'm smashing your pot so that i can make a new pot from it yeah and we didn't really have time to get into all the the passages about like the end of days that people interpret as being like about the apocalypse but is just about the en- it's about the end of the exile and right. bringing people back to judah but like you're right that it's inconsistently applied like sometimes it's like you're going to be destroyed forever it's the end of days yeah and then sometimes it's like this is just the end of this cycle and like, we're gonna start a new one right yeah I, th- I think they should be a goal of the prophecies should be a little clearer so some of the seams are showing a little bit mm-hmm. but overall when you tie that high quality prophecy oracle language and that goofy Bible stuff that I like, <laughs> tie that together with at least a character with, you know, some sense of of himself as a as a as a thinking, feeling human being, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be happy. I feel similarly. Mm-hmm. 
think I'm going to give it like eight out of 12 she camels in heat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I like there was a lot of plot. Mm-hmm. Didn't like how fucked up the timeline was. Right. And also, I forgot to mention the misogyny was is oh real, yeah is really gross. Yeah, that this is like pretty big in this book. Yeah, like everything female is evil. Yeah, uh, and everything evil is female. Yeah, yeah, actually that's true. You know, like because it does talk about like the Israelites as a nation uh-huh. being like slutty women. Yes, um, not slutty men or not like lustful men. I think there's there's a couple things about lustful men, but there's way way more about absolutely like, being lustful women. Um, so yeah, liked the plot, didn't like the timeline, uh, didn't like the misogyny, but at least found, you know, the character of Jeremiah, um, interesting. I, and it's funny how little it takes to be a character in this book, you know? Yeah. Just give me one scene where he like acknowledges his plight and he's like, you know what? This is fucked up. Yeah. I, that's all it takes. I kind of like identify with him a little when I was a Christian, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. I didn't go to parties. I didn't drink. Um, I didn't have any boyfriends. I had one friend. Um, and I thought that I was better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And it sucked. And I was really lonely and wanted to die all the time. And I like can see myself in Jeremiah and I, you know, like... If you assume that God isn't real, mm-hmm. then it's like I I just like I feel for him and I want him to be able to move past this like really adolescent view of the world mm-hmm. and and like become an adult and live in the world like a human in society, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but that doesn't happen. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm really like rating it up or down for that, but um, yeah, we'll say eight out of 12. Nice. So that's the end of the show. But before we get to all the fun stuff at the end where we tell you how to find us on social media. Yeah, <laughs> on the social meds. We have to do something else that's very important. And that is another prophecy. Thus saith the Lord. When I first saw you, I... Wept. And now I weep some more. (laughs) Amen. Amen. No, actually, the thing we're doing is listener mail. A listener wrote in and wrote this. I heard about the show from my other favorite podcast, History Honeys, and I finally caught up. I'm absolutely loving every minute of it. My favorite episode so far is Job, and I enjoyed it so much that I sought out the Stephen Mitchell translation that Greg read from to confirm for myself that that line about the archetypal sinner pissing in his pants is really in there. It is. I've also taken to posting funny Bible quotes on social media with no context to the delight of myself and a few others. I kind of feel I kind of feel what you're what you're putting down there. Thanks very much for being funny and cool. Oh, you know what? It's my pleasure. Apropos of nothing, here's a cool Israeli indie rock album I like to put on as background music during the show. And he includes a link to Jaffa Beach by Kuti Man. Kuti Man's pretty cool. I've heard about him before. I don't have any <laughs> You've records heard of his. Oh, I've heard about the Kuti Man. Oh, I've heard about the Kuti Man. Cool. Um, Keep up the good work. Jamie, thank you very much thank for you, your Jamie. letter, Jamie. Uh, I have never heard of Kuti Man before, but mm-hmm. I really like that song. Yeah, it's good. 
Um, we also got a letter from Tammy. Tammy was the first listener mail that we read on air. She says, hey, Nico and Lauren, this is Tammy. You know, the girl that has a brother with the El Shaddai tattoo. Well, I just want to say thanks for the shout out. And I'm a listener for life. Thanks so much for this podcast. Oh, yeah. Who would have ever thought an El Shaddai video game? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Like, Tammy, A, where your fans for life do. And B, you need to, like, force your brother to play the video game <laughs> and see if he still thinks his tattoo is cool. <laughs> I, I, You don't have to force your brother to do anything, Tammy. Don't listen to Lauren. No, I mean, you don't have to force anyone to do anything. But your brother should definitely play this video game. You should check it out. Yeah. Just rent it. It's a rent, not a buy. <laughs> you can rent video games. Still? You, you used to be able to. I don't know about <laughs> oh, okay. today. Illegally downloaded or whatever. <laughs> anyway, that's our break show. Break the law. Yeah. Don't tell people to break the law. For liability reasons, I have to tell you that Lauren is drunk as hell. <laughs> that's not untrue. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the show. Uh, I declare it. All right. Thus saith the Lord. When I first <laughs> slept on a bed of hay, I dreamt that Israel could ride a again. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Once again, don't ask. Because we have more important things to say. Like, for example, you can find us on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. And you can find us on Facebook. Um, the URL is also Sunschool Drop. Or you could uh, just search for Sunday School Dropouts and look for that cool ass piece of smoking a cigarette designed by Elise Carlton. Thank you very much, Elise. Our website is sundayschooldropouts.lol. And you can send us listener mail or any other kind of mail. Although, if you're listening to this and you send us mail, it's kind of by default listener mail. So, trying to. F- you also cannot send us uh, postal mail. I'm trying to solve that puzzle, Sherlock. <laughs> Did Sherlock solve puzzles? In a way. Don't call. Don't sarcastically call our listeners Sherlock. I think the greatest puzzle is human life. Uh, I think it's actually love. Mm. And no, the, I the puzzle coincidentally has become. The puzzle mistress. Mm, okay. Uh, I love you. And I thank you for doing all of our music and also doing all of our sound engineering and editing. No problem. Uh, I didn't get to finish it. You can send us mail at contact oh. at sundayschooldropouts.lol. Oh, right. That. And you can follow Lauren on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. That's my name. She a writer. She real cool. <laughs> Check her out. Anyway, that's the end of the show tonight. Thus saith the Lord. Every man in heaven wants a big fig in his ass. Amen. (laughs) See you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.